0: Hello and welcome to NB Art Nerds, Um, today I want to talk about how to start and I did a webinar recently on this and um, I know from my conversations with a lot of artists, um, people that work with me and also just people that I chat to about art often, that how to start or starting is one of the biggest blocks for creatives. Especially if the thing that you want to make is extremely close to your heart is extremely vulnerable and feels very expansive, so sometimes there's a sense that we have inside of us that if this thing is going to be birthed into the world, it will alter our lives um not necessarily in a you know like an in a, in a external sense always of achieving some kind of success or um recognition or fame or anything like that but that the the process of creating it is really important for our personal creative journey and will therefore if we put it out in the world change some change something about our practice about our process forever and then we resist this we resist starting because of several reasons and so I thought that I would share on this topic today um On this platform that kind of has the um, information for free because i know that so many people can benefit from it and okay so why is it so difficult to start there's multiple reasons and one of them that i've realized is that we hold on to the end product and the the ideal vision so much that it's too overwhelming to start the first steps the initial steps that's necessary even just the exploration and sometimes holding on to this dream vision or this final quote-unquote artwork idea is um, crippling because we do not allow ourselves to then explore as much as we need to explore um, to get to that place we want to reach. Um, Okay but I'll talk about that now. So I often in in with my clients that do um, PhDs um, writing, or that ri- is in the process of writing a book, where this is there's this massive thing that they want to create at the end, but it requires sitting down and every day writing a paragraph or a page or whatever. Um, this this feeling of the wholeness of the project is sometimes too distracting and overwhelming, and not really productive to think about all the time. So. So one idea that is um, kind of sticking out its head in this overwhelm of the final product is that creatives often think that the vision that comes into their mind is exactly what they're going to create at the end. And um, in my experience, and also with seeing how other creatives work, this is almost never the case. Um, Because the process is revealing other things um along the way that you could have never imagined if you allow yourself to explore and kind of hold this idea as the catalyst as the thing that kind of kickstarted the process it's just the vision that starts the idea but the way that it looks in our head versus the practicality of making the thing always has a little bit of um um, what's it what I want to say? Like a mis mismatch, you know, it's it's not um entirely how it translates um at all. So for example, if I have an idea for this massive gown that I want to make and I see it in this very specific material and whatever I can go search for that material, but I might not find the exact thing that I saw in my mind's eye, but there might be at these material shops a lot of other options that would be just as good or even more interesting or just have a slightly different meaning or interpretation. But then because I'm holding on to it needs to be perfect and it needs to be exactly the way that I saw it in my mind, I'm not going to even um, consider the other options in front of me. And this holding on to the final product is often a block that um, artists use to stop themselves from starting. It feels too much to create what I want to create. It feels too crazy. It feels too scary. It feels too big. It feels too expansive. So I'd rather not start at all. Otherwise, I'm just going to disappoint myself anyway, because it's never going to look what it looks like in my mind. But if you change this to... Um, the, the like I said earlier, the idea is just the catalyst for the process to start and then the exploration starts and then the thing unfolds. And then maybe you reach a completely different destination or maybe you reach a, deft- a destination that's slightly different from what you wanted to reach. So that's one thing. Another part of the final product that can sometimes overwhelm us and stop us from starting is holding on to the way the final thing will be received in the world and this can create an anxiety that makes you so scared that there won't be a market for it, it won't sell, it won't be received well, that others will criticize it, that you rather not start because you're scared of how it's going to be received. So um, Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way writes about how artists need to let go of how... No, sorry, it's not Julia Cameron, it's Elizabeth Gilbert that in a TED Talk, The artist Genius, um, talks about um, how it, it's not our job to create things that are going to be received well. It's our jobs as creators to create things that um, we see visions that we have, ideas that we have, um, and to trust them and to create them as close as possible to the authenticity of of who you are um, and of course i 'm speaking from my framework, which is that I totally believe that artists are supposed to express as closely and authentically as possible to themselves. There might be a lot of people that disagree with me that believe that you should create art for the market and that you should make you know business choices in that sense of crafting products for a specific place or something but I'm talking about when your creativity is part of your spiritual process, process of getting to know yourself, when it's part of your your authentic expression and it features into your life in a different way. And um, I listen often to um, the Louisiana channel. I think that's how it's pronounced. But it's this channel that makes all these interviews with famous artists and they kind of have this series called um, My Advice to Young Artists. And most of the artists in those series say that Create art that you love. Create art that is true to you, right? And if you keep this intention at the center of your practice, then the way the world is going to receive it is not an option to think about when you start a project. Because if we get obsessed by the successes that we're going to reach with this thing or the um, yeah, you know, if we're going to make money out of it or if it's going to further our career in any way, we will often also then want to stop ourselves from starting because it feels too scary especially when the thing you're creating feels so groundbreaking so i'm in a i'm in one of those processes at the moment where i had a vision over the winter of these woman tapestries female forms figures that i want to create and i saw these multimedia tapestries weaved embroidery painted stuck together everything and the magnitude of these images that I saw in my mind, how big they needed to be, like really scared me because then I was like, okay, but what am I going to do with them afterwards? What if I can't find a space to exhibit them in? What if there's no one that wants to buy them? How am I going to store them? And then I was stuck for a long time because this thing needed to come out of me. And I could have gone back to smaller things and pushed that aside. But that felt so good for my process to allow myself to create that thing without thinking about how it's going to be received and i'm still in the process and i still don't know what's going to happen and every time that anxiety comes up i tell myself my job is not now to find the audience for it my job is now just to create it i'm holding space for this thing to come through and through me and into the world and then after it's created i'll figure out what to do with it and for me, in my personal practice, it's also helped me to shift from you know the success outside in the world into believing that it's enough for the artwork just to be created. you know of course, there's practical things that come into play around earning and living and sustainability and all of this shit, But it helps me in my process to think that the only purpose right now is to create this art piece and that is all why it exists. That's the only reason it exists is just for it to exist and this also really helps me a lot. So another reason why it might be difficult to start is because we might not have this final vision. We might have a curiosity or an inquiry into a specific medium that feels nice to explore and then we start um, and we realize we have no clue where we're going, we have no final vision, we have no idea of what the final product's supposed to look like, and that might also be scary. And again, it helps to believe that the process will unfold and to follow the curiosity and to keep exploring until clarity comes. And in my personal experience, it often does come. I have no clue where I was going with um, a lot of the paintings that I made um, in, in in Korea, and also when I came back for about two years, I didn't really plan my paintings at all. I just allowed them to to happen on the canvas. And then my painting teacher, Kulijn um always taught us that an artist should look at what they're creating equal amount, at least the equal amount of uh, what they're actually spending time on actually making it. So if you're painting, then you should look at the painting as much as you paint on the painting so um, then i would somewhere in the process process when i feel like i'm completely lost i would put the painting up and i would live with it in my space and i still do this this is a very important practice for me um is that if i've done the first layers of dumping and just kind of disrupting the space which is one of my practices on how to get started and i'll get into that a little bit later in this conversation as well but um if i find a place Halfway through, that I have no clue where I'm going, what's happening, and that fear becomes too overwhelming. I live with a thing for a while first on the wall and I look at it um, for long periods at a time until one day it tells me what needs to happen. It often reveals um, the next step to me. So, another reason that I've come across people tell me that they don't start. Is because they believe that there will be better conditions or better ideas in the future and they don't want to commit time or energy to one idea for this fear that it's not good enough and there's going to be better ideas there's going to be better materials in the future and of course this could be true but it could also not be true I'm completely convinced that it's always better to create something than to not create it to me It just feels like it's really sad to sit on your ideas for most of your life and not create something in the world and that doesn't mean to say that you need to then put it out in the world as a final product or something that is your style that is supposed to say something about you but the satisfaction of materializing an idea is deeply rewarding to our inner artist and is vital um, for expression so Elizabeth Gilbert writes in her book, Big Magic, about her belief around how ideas work. And she says that ideas are entities, it it helps her to think that ideas are entities in themselves and that they kind of float around the world on the dimension that we cannot see them. And then they find a vessel that they can come through and they come to that person and they spark the inspiration. And if that person does not act on the idea and it hangs there for too long, it goes away and it searches for someone else. And this has helped me as well, to know that if an idea comes and if I have the ability and the time to create it, why the hell would I not, you know, to keep the process going? And in my experience, the more often you're actively practicing your creativity by pra- like practically doing the things, besides the planning and besides the research and the exploration, but actually making the things, the more oiled that rhythm in your studio also becomes. So this is also why I advise people that do writing to do morning writing brain dumps, where you just kind of clear out your mind in the morning and you get into this rhythm of just writing anything. And this is what has allowed me to write as much as I can write in a month. At the moment, I'm working part-time for a company where I'm writing um, articles, Um, they're called Art in Context, and they also have another blog called Art File Magazine. And um, I basically get paid by a thousand words. So of course the amount of words I can write in a month is gonna like influence the income. And I'm, that's really cool for me because then I can kind of, you know, see for myself how much I wanna write. And I've been pushing myself the most that I've written in the last three months of working for them is 6,000 words, um, 26,000 words a month. Um, and, and I didn't consistently write through it the whole month cause it's a part-time um, job and I do other things as well. And, and the fact, and people are sometimes surprised by how much I can write. Maybe you're a copywriter and you're not very phased about this number that I've just given, but it's I am able to write as much because I have a daily writing practice where I kind of practice the machine of just writing whatever comes up into my mind because I know that I can go back and I can edit and I can clarify the ideas and I can make the argument stronger. So that's also the thing is that sometimes we feel like our ideas are not good enough or strong enough but if we allow ourselves to just empty them out on a page and this is a practice i'll share just now empty them out on a page then we can always go back and edit them and change them and so it doesn't have to be final you don't have to commit to to the thing that you're going to put out as being the best and the most perfect amazing thing you've ever created we have to create shitty art to create good art right Okay, so now I want to share some practices that you can do to kind of get yourself started. And there's there's way more reasons why people struggle to start, but I want to keep this episode short. So admit to yourself that you want to create this thing. So whatever idea came into your mind, it's cool to have. conversation with yourself and say okay I'm now committed to actually materialize this thing and the best way to do that in my experience is to brain dump it so you're not writing the strategy and with clarity and thinking about it brain dump or conscious stream of writing means to write exactly what is in your head as it is and it doesn't have to make sense it could be nonsensical you could even do a mind map where you just write down keywords and then from there you can see where the process takes you maybe while you're writing because this often happens for me while i'm writing i get clarity and i'm like ah i didn't think about this option maybe it's not a canvas maybe it's a mural you know um and then oh Another way that people stop themselves from starting is to obsess about the conditions in which they want to create. And this is an element of perfectionism and OCD that often comes into play with artists that are scared of other things. You know, you could be scared of the way it's going to receive, be received, and then the learned behavior or strategy that you were taught long ago or that you ex- adopted long ago to kind of deal with that fear is to go into organizing and cleaning and um, it can be an obsessive cycle of like I want to draw or paint something and then you like organize all your paints into the color of the rainbow and then you see that the half of them are dry and then you start going through all of your materials and see what materials you need to throw away and so it kind of spirals into this organizing cleaning and you use all your creative energy to get your space ready and by the time Your space is ready. You're depleted or you don't have time anymore. And your window for creation is kind of over. And you have to move on to something else. And I don't know if you have watched Broad City. But I love that series. And there's one episode where Abby. One of the main characters that's an artist. Does exactly this. She has an hour of a private time. That she prioritizes for art. And then she like makes her favorite drink. And she cleans the studio like a desk. And she arranges all her pencils. And she sharpens them all and everything. And then the timer goes off just as she sits down to to draw so i would suggest doing the opposite put a timer on for if this is a problem for you for the time you want to organize your space so if you know that you get into the spiral you commit to only 15 minutes of getting everything ready for yourself out of the chunk of time and then commit to actually start when that 15 minutes is done and the actual starting is very scary So this is the next practice I want to suggest is to make yourself so uncomfortable from the start as possible. So if the fear is that you are going to fuck it up, then fuck it up from the beginning. And I have a really beautiful story about how I was blocked and how I worked through a block in this way. So in the first episode, I told the story about like how when I started painting for the first time, I painted these landscapes and I really loved them. And then I had to do something else and then i got to the grids but the way i got to the grids was that kulein again thank god for him um, told me that sometimes the best strategy is to paint the blank canvas in a color that makes you extremely uncomfortable a color that you hate and so i chose first this lilac purple that was like kind of part of priming the canvas and then over the purple i painted this pink which has now become Really part of most of my work. It's never left me and it's become a color that I really adore in my art But will never ever wear in my personal life And one of my friends the other day noticed when she was looking at my work and giving me an informal critique that 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 palette with the pink in is not at all what I Dress like or express myself personally as but it's very present in my work because it's become Um, A way that I tap into the sensitivity and vulnerability and uncomfortability of working with my deep emotions through my art So this is kind of a statement to my inner artist like okay cool. We're uncomfortable. I know this is uncomfortable I know it's like very scary to start. That's okay Let's paint it in pink and it's an expression of that And then also what happened then when I painted the pink was that I was not so attached to what happened on top of the pink anymore Because now it's not a white canvas, like this perfect white canvas that I am going to mess up. No, now it's just a pink canvas. And I realize that I can paint over it. I can cover the pink if I want entirely. I can paint a layer over it that is like a little bit see-through so that the pink comes through and affects the color at the top. I can do whatever I want. And this was such a massive insight in my work where I realized that I do not have to be attached to what happens on a canvas because I can always paint over it and this is the lovely thing with art like mostly you can change and you can alter so the way that I often start my paintings and it's similar to the brain dump is I dump paint leftover paint um, onto the canvas and even if none of those initial layers are left over um, in the end I free myself from attaching to what I've created there, and it helps start the process, especially if you work intuitively, because then from those shapes that you dump on the canvas, you can let the process unfold from there. And I think another thing that I should mention here, and I suppose it relates to starting in the way that creatives sometimes block themselves by thinking that if they're not clear on how they're gonna start, they're gonna waste materials. So this element of wasting materials you need to throw out of your mind as soon as possible because it's never a waste. Um, in the pursuit of developing your style and understanding how you make, nothing can really be a waste. And I know this is difficult if you have limited supplies, but then you can, you know, you can create um, a different um, sustainable material for yourself to work with. To kind of supplement the supplies that you feel attached to so say for example you work in ink and the ink is very fancy and expensive then maybe you buy food coloring and you do your initial sketches in food coloring which is not as expensive or maybe you work in color but you can't afford to like explore as much in color as you want then maybe you mix turmeric or you make coffee mixes and you work with that just to figure out the composition and the shape before you start painting and why can't you paint with acrylic paint over turmeric and a, and a, and a coffee layer or over food, po- um, food coloring and maybe something interesting happens with the mediums mixing who knows but that could be really cool addition to your art so the idea that we need to know where we're going to start otherwise it's going to be a waste it's not a waste because we need to allow the process to unfold the way it's going to unfold to get to where we're going to get okay Another thing I want to mention that's deep philosophy in the way that I teach and the way that I work with artists is to promote this idea that art does artworks do not reach a finish line, but that they reach a sweet spot and that one art piece can have multiple sweet spots in its lifetime, in its evolution. And this has really freed me a lot as well because it allows me to step back when I like a painting and not obsess whether I have reached this final you know the perfect place where it is now completed you know that it it, that is not true because i've often a few years after painting something looked at it and thought ah you know what it could actually do with another layer and then you can inquire for yourself how you feel about altering artworks um as you as you create them and the only um the only example I can think of now is an artwork because I recently wrote about him Pablo Picasso famously did this in the first part of his career he painted over many canvases and um, they've recently with like high tech x-ray um, technology started looking at the layers underneath his paintings so that kind of non-attachment to the final product also comes into the starting of knowing that you can alter it as much as you want but also you can stop whenever you want and and you can alter it years later again. All right. So let's see. Making yourself uncomfortable from the fi- beginning. Want to reiterate? Fuck it up from the beginning, and then you're not gonna be so scared. You're gonna fuck it up. Okay. Make as much as possible in the beginning. So if you are starting, or you're scared to start, and you um yeah, and you like oh my goodness, like now this this one piece that I'm going to make in my whole career is like pivoting on this one poignant artwork. Um, no. I love to stack out as many canvases as I have and work on them simultaneously. Working on more than one artwork simultaneously was also something that I discovered, a process I discovered in Varsity that's really helped me to gain insights as I work. So when I get stuck with one, I can move to another that's not so scary and to another and to another and to another and kind of how, when I finish one, I bring in a new fresh one and I bring, I dump all the paint that's left from the, the one that's just reached its sweet spot. And I'm kind of committed to that one being quote unquote finished. All the paint that's left from that painting, I sort of dump on the other one and this way also creates series um, because the, the palettes kind of link with each other in that process Um so create as much as possible in the beginning and and just keep going keep flowing there's a lot of um, exercises you can do to kind of keep the process going you can paint with your left hand or your non-dominant hand you can attach I'm, I'm talking in realms of painting now but it to me this applies to any kind of creative process you know like uh, baking gardening um, photography writing writing music any, any expression um, all of this applies to and you can find your own way to kind of adjust the prompts that I give to um, your process but Matisse for example in the last part of his life when he was already considered a master and very famous he tried to release control even further by creating these really long sticks that he um, attached his paintbrushes to and that release of control is really important in the beginning as well, and and in my experience, really helps catalyzing the process. So see how you how much the control you can release in the beginning, so that the be, the start of the process feels playful and, um, it feels like it's driven by curiosity and exploration, and so that you do not get attached to the beautiful marks that you've made. From the beginning. Because I know that this also happens. Sometimes artists struggle to start. Fi- when they finally start. And they will make one mark. They're like. Oh, but now this is so beautiful. How can I ever cover it? And the piece is not at all. Where they want it to be yet. But they become so scared. That they're going to mess up what is nice. That they don't want to continue exploring. So that's the idea. That's, that's the idea of um, the sweet spot. Coming in again there. Making it easier to let go of that there's only one ideal state an artwork can reach, but that there's rather multiples. So in the next bit, I want to talk about ways that we block ourselves from starting um, unconsciously. So, and maybe sometimes consciously. So one is um, also by Julia Cameron. She speaks in the book Artists Way about how we sometimes go and look for our creative monsters. Now, creative monster is not a person we villainize because they're a terrible human being. It's often a hurt creative that works in the creative industry that have never worked consciously through their wounds and patterns and kind of perpetuates the behavior of people that hurt them or strategies that they learned through being hurt as a creative when they were younger um and they kind of enforce that on younger creatives so it could look something like an artist or a a gallerist that had to work extremely hard to start her career because she didn't have any support from her family and like really really slaved and then creates these conditions where everyone around her used have to work extremely hard and fatigue themselves because she had to go through that so that could be an example of a creative monster but creative monsters also often need I, I like to call them creative vampires. They often need the energy of young creatives to in order for them to maintain their um their achievements or their their practice. So sometimes these creatives aren't practicing creatives, these creative vampires. They're people that are in the industry like gallerists or curators or um art critiques or um you know event planners in the art space but they don't they're not invested in a personal practice anymore and if you go inquire they often had a dream long ago to be artists themselves but then was disappointed or hurt so much that they kind of veered away from them and went into the arts scene in a different way and therefore their inner artist um who is a, a young one a child i believe that the inner artist is about 4 years old it's that that time when we the inner child is that that time when we um could play with sticks in the ground forever, could have a conversation with a grasshopper, could um, dream up images in the clouds and then recreate it in the sand and like kind of keep ourselves busy creatively forever. That, I believe, is the essence of our creative spirit. That is the one that is actually creating inside. And of course, the mind comes in and becomes clever and helps that one, but the curiosity and... The freedom and the playfulness is that one, it's our inner Persephone. So that inner artist for creative vampires are often very very sad and isolated and completely abandoned and destroying tantrums because they do not get the opportunity to express and how this often comes up is jealousy towards younger creators or um, new creatives. Um, or resentment or hatred even and you know like kind of want to undercut even though they're in the field and um, Valeria Geselev once shared with me that this billboard that she once drove past um, I think it was in Haifa um, said hurt people hurt people and that's kind of a cycle that I've seen perpetuated in the art inter- industry a lot where we do not acknowledge our own personal creative disappointments and fears and traumas and therefore perpetuate it. And all of us have a person like this that seems to be supportive to our art career, but when we walk away after they've given our our uh, us advice, we often feel more blocked than inspired. So this is kind of how you test it, is that if you share a very vulnerable creative idea with that person... And they start giving you feedback and talking to you and talking, talking, talking. If you walk away believing that you can still do it and you're excited to do it, then you know that person is a safe one to talk to um, when you're struggling to start. But when you walk away and they've given you such intense critique that you feel overwhelmed and you feel blocked and you feel like you can't do it and you don't believe it in yourself anymore, then, you know, like, for example, I once had this really vulnerable um, idea of performing nude and I'm still going to do this idea so I'm not going to share the whole thing with you now but then I shared this elaborate idea that was it popped into my head and it felt so so powerful and like something I really want to do and I'm hoping to kind of create it in the near future but then I shared this with an uh, idea with a, a person that I respected at that point a lot in the art field and immediately she told me well, this is so provocative, it's not going to be seen as artistic, it's just going to be seen as sexy, and your nudity is going to distract people from the actual content of the work, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it shut me down for three years towards that idea. I only recently read back in a diary of mine and then rediscovered this idea and then even saw how I wrote after sharing this idea with her that maybe she's right I mean she's in the art field I mean she's respected and I mean she has you know been here for a long time and, and then I didn't want to create it and it's not that's not necessarily saying that all critique that makes you feel like you need to change the idea comes from a creative vampire you need to feel in yourself whether this person is someone that, you, that is safe to share your vulnerable ideas with especially around starting because what sometimes then happens is that we sneakily because the idea is too scary to us unconsciously go and seek out those people in our lives that we know are going to shut down that creative energy and we tell them first so that they can say to us don't do it and then we have an excuse to not do it so this exercise that Gila um, Cameron suggests is to draw a circle and then a circle outside of it and then a circle o- outside of that one so kind of like uh pool's Uh, rippling out you know um circles rippling out of each other then if that makes sense um and then on the inside you write the safest people that's around you that's like your yes men they're like yes queen you do it that's your thing go you can do it i believe in you you write all of those people's names then on the outside of that you write the people that give you constructive criticism that actually empowers you so that you can take that criticism and develop the idea you have and then on the outside you write the people that you should rather not share your vulnerable ideas with people that might have experience in the art world and people that you can share your ideas with that you feel really certain about and that you've developed and you're committed to it and you you're strong in those ideas you can share with them and then when you're struggling to start and you want to go tell someone about this idea and you want to talk about it be very conscious of who you're sharing it with. And then this diagram really comes into handy to be like, ah, now I want to go to Sarah and tell Sarah about it. But, ah, Sarah's actually on the outside of my circle. And, and it's interesting that I want to go tell Sarah, maybe this is a way of me blocking myself now. So maybe I should rather tell Jane. Jane is in the inside and Jane is going to tell me, yes, queen, try it. So that's one way we block ourselves from starting. Another way we unconsciously block ourselves from starting is to go and look in our research at masters and other artists and compare ourselves to them. So comparison is one of the biggest evils in the creative process. It is, it's, actually, it's actually so harmful um, to your relationship with your inner artist because what comparison does not acknowledge is how unique you are and and your personal journey to get where you are. And there's no, we cannot replicate other people's pr- creative processes and creative journeys and, and do it the way that we want to do it and then still have it the same as they did it. You know, there is something like trusting that you need to create the way you need to create and that your career will t- turn out the way that it wants to turn out. And it's sad that some of us might never be famous in our lives Um, And fame is maybe not it. And that some of us might never reach any success with our art even. You know, like in success, you can decide what that term means to you. Whether it's one person recognizing you or someone writing about your art or buyers actively buying your art or your name being associated with a certain style or whatever. And that might be the reality. And I also had to sit with this for a while. I'm still processing that... um, Because it's such a personal thing and because I was born to be an artist and there's really no other option for me I don't want to do anything else this is it Um, it might not bring me any kind of recognition in my life that I want and that's sometimes scary and then we go even further and we want to start this process and then we go and we look and we're like ah I mean I, uh, my inspiration at the moment is Tanya Peterson and Atipateruga. I'm really inspired by their tapestries and the the garments and things that they make. So now if I'm in my research going to think like, ah, Atipateruga is so amazing. Why would I even try to make something? Of course, I'm not going to start what I want to start. But if I look at them and I'm like, yo, this person is expansive. They're showing me what is possible and it will be different for me then that's okay you know so using other people other artists as inspiration as expansions to show you that you can believe that this could be possible for you it might not actually happen but the belief that it could be possible will help you to start and that's also the shift that that i had to make in my work is to understand that Um, there's absolutely no way for me to compare myself with artists that is a framework that has been set up by an industry that wants us to compare ourselves to other people but we actually are the biggest resources of inspiration and catalyzing energy for each other Um, and everyone had to start somewhere so if I feel overwhelmed by an artist that I'm looking at or a master that I'm looking at, I remind myself that they also at some point had no clue what they're making. <laughs> they, had, they, they were also 27 years old at some point and did not know what they were making and also maybe never knew what they were creating and, and that it was going to be so impactful and powerful, first of all. And second of all, I remind myself that if there is jealousy, or if there is um, sadness that comes up when I look at other artists' work, it is often an indication that there's a part of me that believes that it's not possible for me ever, and that I then have to go work with that belief because if I am trying to create something that I believe is going to, deep down, believe is going to be unsuccessful because it's not possible for it to be as successful as other artists, then I have resistance in my system. Then I'm working, I'm pulling in two different directions. I'm making the thing and I'm shutting it down inside. And to me, energetically, that just means that you are completely rowing with with one spawn. I don't know what it's called in English now. Or, I think, one or in the one direction and one in another direction. So you're just spinning around in circles. So it helps to kind of align yourself to what you actually want to create in your career and 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 to kind of meditate on that, and to really work on the belief that it is possible to to attain that. Okay, so that's kind of my brain dump on how to start. There's a lot more that I can say about this, and as always with the processes that I do in my one-on-one containers, I I I need to hear the personal story to understand where your block with starting comes from. It's a very personal thing, and there's often a lot that makes us feel scared to start and so this just reminds me I can illustrate this Um, in this week I sat with a client and we had a session um, about two weeks ago our first session where she admitted for the first time that she is an artist and she never wanted to claim that she is an artist because she didn't believe that she had the right to call herself an artist so we worked on that and then she was calling herself an artist for two weeks and of course in the session of being so empowered to understand that she is an artist and she's always been an artist and she she can make things we then dreamed big and we went to what is the biggest vision for the creations that you're making right now that you can imagine and we imagined like wallpaper on massive buildings you know murals and everything and i like to do this i like to expand the vision that you have for yourself as much as you possibly can and to connect with the most powerful artist inside of you and then what often happens is that the artists that have a pattern of getting blocked get extremely afraid of that expansion super inspired initially and then very afraid and um, she reached out to me and she said I'm crawling back into my hole I want to delete everything that we've worked on. I'm really scared, and I was like, "Okay, let's let's do another session." And we talked a lot. And, and one thing that revealed itself was, um, I asked her, "Is there a memory that you can um, tap into that had to do with your expression being too big, too messy, or in the wrong place?" And then she was so shocked because she immediately remembered this memory of. Um, finding a wall in the house and she specifically chose the pantry because she thought this was like the most hidden wall so it will be the perfect place for her to explore her art and she drew on this wall and her mother was extremely upset about it and then she um yeah she 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 got a big scolding and it was completely like very very dramatic traumatic to her and the, so the message that was left for her there's that your expression it's too big and out of place. And then, of course, when we dreamed as big as she wanted to really dream, her inner artist really wanted to go as big as possible. Like these art features just became so, so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like under a magnifying glass. Um, and then she shut down because deep down there's a belief that she cannot create this because this will upset people because it's too big. It's too messy and it's out of place. So this is an illustration of how these wounds are extremely personal and how when I work in one-on-one sessions, like all of this that I've illustrated to you now is kind of things that I've learned from sessions with people. But when we work one-on-one, there's other things that might come up um, that is connected to your personal journey. So I hope that the muse will be with you and that you stay inspired and that you just plunge this is the last thing I want to say is that, wait, how did it happen in the session that I said, um, to, to create the dreams you want to create, you, you have to plunge first. So this plunging into the process is really vital. So I hope that you plunge this week.